Ewet Audio. Avid Audio. Sout Awit. L'audio de Ewet. Ewet Audio. Hello everyone, my name is Malika Grant. I'm really excited to be here today participating in a conversation um, around pleasure beyond borders. And with us today are some amazing feminists, activists, femmes, just all around badass women. I'm so excited to have on the panel today, Lizzie, Lindy, and Yo. Um, you'll get to know them a little bit better right now. But the conversation um, that we're having today is around pleasure and what that means in individual context around um, different ge geographies and cultures and experiences. And so each of these women today is going to be a guide. Um, I'm looking forward to learning from them. I hope you will too. Uh, this conversation is a part of um, a larger conversation from the Pleasure Garden, which is co-organized by Ola Africa um, and the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women 2021 Working Group. And for more information, you can visit awid.org. And without further ado, I would like to introduce our esteemed panelists today. Um, I, would, I would like to ask each of these women to introduce yourselves. Um, just tell us where you're from um, and a little bit about your work. And I'll start with Lizzie, if that's okay. Hi, Malaka. Thank you very much. Um, extremely honored to be in this space with uh, all of you amazing uh, women. My name is Lizzie Kiyama. I am based in Nairobi, Kenya. I um, work for Disability Trust, an organization that I founded um, that focuses on disability rights and women's rights. Uh, we work around sexual reproductive uh, health rights. And so this conversation is right up uh, our alley. Um, what else? I hope that was enough. <laughs> well, I know that you um, that you work with uh, this ability. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your main mandate is with this ability, and you know who you serve. What is the, the community that you serve? So we serve, we work for and on behalf of communities of women and girls with disabilities. Um, our mandate is to amplify and increase visibility for women and girls with disabilities. Um, our theory of change, of course, responds to the invisibility of women with disabilities in society. And when we look, when we focus on our body of work around uh, sexual reproductive rights, we believe that invisibility is extremely profound and has a direct impact on how um, women are able to access quality sexual and reproductive healthcare. So we work around amplifying their voices, you know, building their skills around their rights and um, increasing media visibility because we believe, you know, media is a powerful platform um, to advance this work. Awesome. Thank you. Yo, would you tell us about um, yourself, the work that you do and um, your immigration journey? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Um, hi everyone, my name is Jo Yo, and I am queer feminist from Serbia. I currently trying to live in Mexico. I am in the immigration process, especially this week, where um, 
I think everything that is pleasurable for me, everything that it's about my body, my soul, and how I am in the world, it's reduced to if I can get a paper or no. So um, just uh, this is how I'm coming to, to this space and reclaiming again the body and the and um and um yeah so is that that's perfect <laughs> awesome lizzie i'm sorry <laughs> lindy hi my name is lindy um i am a sexual wellness coach and online content creator um i created a company that does coaching and consulting to basically, I mean, I guess my mandate would be freedom of expression, which is something I'm very big on, and consent, um, and basically kind of understanding consent in all um, contexts. So um, my company does coaching and consulting, we do retreats, it kind of basically just help people understand that they are heard, that they are seen, they're not alone, um, and to give them the information that they don't necessarily get in school, to inform them in making healthier choices from a holistic point of view. Um, I am currently in Ghana, but I'm half South African, half Ghanaian. And um, yeah, I guess even from a cultural perspective, it's very two different kinds of cultures that have kind of come together. But luckily enough, I have a great support system that is really, really big on pushing the work that I do. So so excited to be here i think these platforms and festivals are exactly what why we do the work that we do because we want to have a greater reach and we want to ensure that people are living healthier so yeah that's amazing and i didn't know you were half Ghanaian and half south african that's funny because i'm half african-american half Ghanaian living in south africa so i'll be <laughs> interested to, to hear your perspective about how, how all of that overlaps. Um, but I want to ask each of you about, um, we're here to talk about pleasure, right? And pleasure manifests in, in many different ways. And um, for someone like Joe, for instance, you work in the pleasure industry. Um, I call it the pleasure industrial complex. Um, I would like for each of you to just, you know, give us your personal and or professional definitions of pleasure and you know think of it in broad terms it doesn't necessarily have to be you know sexual um you know joe one of the things i found interesting about you is that um you you describe yourself as uh resting and enjoying your plants and i see you've got this huge plant behind you um so so whoever wants to go first whoever's feeling the spirit you know just share your definition of what pleasure is Okay, I'll take it. Um, All right. So as mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that pleasure for me is just freedom of expression and just freedom. Um, it could be being able to eat absolutely anything and everything I want, um, going to places that I want to go to without any limitations, um, especially wearing what I want um, because that's how I express myself. So pleasure, the pleasurable things in life are all around my freedom and um, being able to express myself as such. Um, from, I guess it also falls into the professional um, definition for me because freedom of expression is quite big um, in the work that I do and ensuring that people 
know that they're not necessarily alone with whatever it is that they may feel, whether it's their sexuality or their preference with regards to whether they want to have sex or not, you know, just whatever the case may be, I kind of just push that it is okay and um, you are heard and seen. So freedom of expression is definitely what I find as pleasure. Um, and then obviously in a sexual context, it's definitely still freedom of expression. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Lizzie, I'm going to call on you next. Great. Um, so I would, I would also agree with Lindy. I think freedom is a big one. Um, but then I think I would also add um, the ability to be selfish. I think um, particularly as, as a mother and a wife being um, choosing myself um, and what it is that I want to do, I how it is that I want to express myself, uh, how I want to identify, having that be my decision and having that not be affected by all these external forces around me. Um, and a lot of the time I have to tell myself it's okay um, to choose me. And unfortunately, that means me being selfish. So I think I would, I, I would, um, I would say being okay with being selfish. Mm. I want to like just expound on that idea a little bit. I was driving. I have I have four kids. My eldest is sixteen, and um, we were driving home from school, and my sixteen-year-old just blurts out, um, "You know, there are certain things I want to do. Just like mom, I want to shop for pleasure." Um, and I know that, you know, you're a mother as well. How important do you think it is um, for, you know, not just your biological children, but, you know, people who look up to you, mentees, to witness you experiencing pleasure? I think it's super important and, and is a constant reminder why I need to be selfish because um, my daughter, for example, I'm her, you know, biggest example. She wants to be mommy. As sad as yeah, I don't I don't get it, but you know she wants to she wants to see me, and um, I did not grow up seeing my mother. I grew up seeing my mother make tons of sacrifices, some that were not you know good for her health, and you know, and it ended up taking a toll on on her mental health, on her physical health, and if I can, as hard as it is, if I can continue to um, choose myself, I think that's an incredible example and my work really is me trying to just live my life as best as I can and as unapologetically and as boldly as I can difficult as it may be but yeah it is part of the work yeah it's definitely not easy um Joe what are your professional or personal definitions of pleasure <laughs> first thing that I'm thinking of is how I speak um about pleasure in English, for instance, and how I would speak about it in my in my native language. And it's very different because some of the concepts are so so nascent, so new in um, in in my own context. So um, I would I think in definitions are important as guides, and not not to limit our access to to, to pleasure, but as a guide that on what we love, 
what where our boundaries are, what really doesn't um, make us feel that that good, and that we are able to name them name for us, but to have that you know flexibility and openness around it. I love to I love to know where my desires come from, and I love to understand that a little bit more. What is like authentically mine, and what it's really influenced by someone, something else, in some other context. But the things that give me the most pleasure, how I see that is those things that when I give to myself, they shine. So everyone around me can, can notice, everyone around me can see that I just experienced something delicious. And then they want to explore what, what the feeling would be for them. What would be something that will bring that, that kind of feeling for them. And I think for me, the pleasures are also in that exchange. And um, yes, how, how, we find that in us and being our own central blessings or creativity of beauty, then, then we exchange with others. And I also agree with Lizzie and Lindy about what they shared. I'm so glad that you brought up, um, you know, the blessings because, you know, I read that you say that touch and dance unlocks collective blessings. And I know that in your work, you do um, pole and sensual dance. Um, so can you tell, I'm really curious about in what ways and what kinds of blessings has touch and dance unlocked? Um, how has that been a conduit and how have you seen that manifested? Well, um, it's very contextual. I have to say like, it's, it's really um, a place where we needed to start in my, in my, my context. Uh, I'm really, first of all, grateful that this panel is pleasure across borders because the context do matter and how where our healing starts and where we are at with it and how we're still struggling with with um uh, accessing some some of the things that are not only part of the pleasure industrial complex but what that actually means for us in our healing process that it's really yes con contextual so um in where i am um the auto erotic part of um, knowing your body and reclaiming it from the state, from the oppression, from the wars, was was key, especially for the women, for women, femmes, and LGBTQI community that has been um, deprived of all of all of these things and still is. So, um, in this work, um, I think we we managed to create a space that it's for all generations, that it's not only um, for um, people who are comfortable with their bodies, but people who are in their, um, you know, um, age where they still want to explore and they still, or they're touching their body for the first time in a way that it's really intentional. And so how we do this is to really central and slow, slow, slow motions and slow dance and slow touch that it's kind of also annoying because you really need to be present and it doesn't allow you to go anywhere else. And um, you spend two hours just giving love to yourself and how that shines in that community with others, um, it's, it's really visible. So you can notice someone else's transformation and they witness your own. Uh, and I see this as not one one-time thing, it's, um, it's a commitment. And in, in, uh, in moderation, of course, but that we create this space where trust is built gradually. And also um, that every single time that you come, it's something new for you and something new to explore but um, you're more connected to the, to the, to the collective. So um, yeah, um, I can share more about it later as well, but this is part of it. I do have more questions, definitely, um, because there's a Netflix doc documentary um, called Strip 
and rise up. I don't know if you've seen it. And, you know, it's very familiar to what you're discussing, but we'll, we'll come to that later. Um, I do want to ask, you know, about, you know, your work, um, each of you ladies, how you've, you know, this is a good segue, um, how you have witnessed um, pleasure manifesting in others. And do you take pleasure? This is a question for everyone. Do you take pleasure in witnessing other people um, experience pleasure either that you've given um, or that they're, you know, just experiencing being in your presence or as a tool that, you know, that you've provided for them. And I want to ask um, Lizzie this in the context of your work, um, you know, talking about visibility for, for disabled, you know, women and girls and, and how we often, not even often, just generally in the media don't see disabled women as desirable um, or even as wanting to be desired. Um, so if you could speak a little bit about that. Um, so I, I started, um, this photography project, um, as a, I, I needed something to present at AWID in 2016. Um, and, and, and I thought, you know, uh, can we play around with photography and just take beautiful pictures of beautiful women with disabilities, you know, so dress them up, um, in African fabric and we, we really didn't have a budget. So it was just tons of um african jewelry and you know wrapping um african fabric and it was very vibrant and and this was the first time uh the women that i was working with had taken images to just celebrate you know their beauty and and just have you know just have fun with it this was in 2016. um in 2018 we did another um shoot um, that explored sexuality and, you know, again, very small budget. So played around with fabric and, you know, showing a little skin there. Um, and it was very playful and we've been continuously taking photos and it, it might not, you know, to donors, it, it, it doesn't have any tangible, um, measurable impact, but I have seen tons of impact. I have seen these young women grow, um, their own YouTube channels, uh, focusing on, you know, beauty and um, talking about themselves. I have seen them go on to um, impact their communities, being a voice for their communities. Uh, we have employed some of these young women within the trust, you know, and they have taken leadership um, positions. Uh, um, just concluded global. Um, Beijing conversations that were happening, uh, disability trust work, uh, uh, the advocacy work that we were doing on social media was led by young women with disabilities. And it has been, you know, continuous progress that I have seen these young women taking up space. And for me, that is um, complete expression of them um, experiencing pleasure uh, as much as it's, they, they, they are vocal, they are bold, they are expressive, and, you know, um, living life as, 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 as taking as much space as they want to. And, and for me, as a mother, that is what I would like to see for my daughter. But particularly as a disabled woman, we're continuously minimized. So, you know, the audacity to take up space, I think, for me, I've done, you know, I've done my work, so extremely proud. 
Yeah, you should be proud. That's that's an amazing project. Um, I just my my BFFL told me my pictures were awful. She'll be watching this later. Her name is Nada Dakwa Sechiyama. <laughs> Um, and she insisted that, you know, I go get some prof professional pictures taken and, you know, just being, I guess, immortalized in film um, and just being present like you, you talk about. It's such a confidence booster. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that is a fantastic project. And even though, you know, you, you say there are no measurables, the, the impact is, you know, they're bold now, you know, they're confident. And something about being front of, in front of a camera and just, you know, being encouraged to love yourself and to be present and knowing that this is going to be immortalized forever is like, it's a pretty badass feeling. So oh, yeah. kudos to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Lindy. I'm Hi. bringing you in here now. Hi. <laughs> you know, so I resonate. Sorry, before you ask the question, I resonate so much with what Lizzie's saying because from 2018, I decided that I was going to do a nude photo shoot every year for my birthday. And that is what I forced my friends to do as my birthday present. Don't do anything else. Just come naked as you are. And the, the mind can somewhat be a disability in that it clutches you to societal standards and what beauty is perceived to be. And at the end of every single shoot, everyone feels empowered, they feel sexy, they feel good. And I make sure that the photographer signs an agreement that they're not going to share those images, but it purely is just for them. You know, to look at yourself in a different light, not because of clothing makes you look a certain way or makeup, but just you as you are, beautiful and regal and amazing. And I love that that is what you are able to do for people because it really does make an impact when you are able to see yourself. I mean, even how I started taking nudes on my own, how I started to see the changes in my body started to make me feel so good about myself. And I was like, I want that for my people. I want my girls and my, you know, people to understand that this is what it makes me feel. So it can make you feel the same way too. And it's not for anybody else, but just for yourself. Um, so I love that. Like, love that. Sorry. None. <laughs> we can get back to the question. <laughs> No, no, no. That was a natural segue. That was perfect because, you know, the question was, you know, what tools have you used to, you know, empower other people to embrace, you know, pleasure? And I think that, you know, that's, I know you have other examples. You've got, you know, all kinds of social media <laughs> around this, but that's really, really amazing. Like when you said nude shoots, I thought it was just going to be you. I didn't know it was going to be you and your girls, you know, getting down to your skivvies and... <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. I mean, obviously, and some people don't feel completely comfortable to be stalkers. So they'll wear maybe nude underwear, but it's just being able to show your body as you are um, and, you know, have those images for yourself. Um, another tool that I guess I use is, um, I guess, through expressing the work that I do. So, for example, I did two videos on OnlyFans and how to correctly um, create an account. But not only that, I wanted to talk about the dangers around putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable position to get money. And people just think, oh, get naked and you get money and we're rich. And it really does have a psychological impact and effect on how one, you view yourself, uh, how you view pleasure, and then what your own values and morals are going in and how they somewhat take a decline um, based on wanting to make money and how you have to mentally be strong 
to not get swayed into doing things that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing just to try and make a quick buck or quick in inverted commas. So, and it's even something that I've fallen privy to because in the beginning I said, I will never play with myself on camera. I could never do that. And eventually as I started to feel more empowered, um, I was like, I want to do more. I want to show my, I want to fully express myself from a sexual perspective um, and be okay with doing that on camera for also others to enjoy. But the one thing that I've realized is that the amount of DMs that I get and people sending me emails saying, can you give us tips? I always say, what is your niche? Um, and like Jo said, um, she dancing is the best form of expression in terms of, you know, just feeling light and feeling like you can absorb all your blessings. And I love dancing. That is my niche. When I'm on OnlyFans, how I start is to light some candles and to have a bit of wine and to just dance because the moment I feel dance, um, I'm dancing, I feel relaxed and I feel like, you know, I can like properly be fluid and enjoy the experience that I'm about to engage in. Um, and I always suggest doing that prior to sex as well. You know, if you feel like you want to dance and enjoy your body, the moment you start to enjoy your body, you are able to give more of yourself in a sexual engagement because you feel sexy, because you feel good. It's no one else telling you, oh, wow, you look amazing like this or like that. It's because you've identified yourself in such a way. So you obviously perform better because you also feel empowered and strong in your feminine beauty. And dance definitely, definitely brings that out of you. So I think that dancing is also one of the tools that I give to people. Um, and I say dance naked, um, be okay with being naked by yourself, being okay looking at yourself, even if it means taking a mirror and actually looking at your vagina or the different parts of your body that you can't necessarily reach with just the eye um, to actually know exactly what it is that other people are seeing. And if you love it first, no matter what someone else is going to love it, there's a market out there for every single person. In the moment that you are confident in your being, um, people are drawn to you. So that's one of the tools that I give um, OnlyFans content creators. Find a niche, dance with yourself naked to get used to being with your body um, and enjoying your body. And then just that's how your confidence kind of grows. Amazing. That's a, a really great segue into, you know, the next question that I have is, you know, um, See, both you and Lindy use technology, um, you know, you leverage technology um, so that, you know, you can build employment skills and increase safe spaces for women and girls. And then Lindy, you've got a smorgasbord. <laughs> you've got YouTube and Instagram, and now I'm just finding out Only, OnlyFans. And so I want to um, ask you, Lindy, about the impact of um, what has happened with Only, OnlyFans and them changing their structure and how that has affected your work. Um, and then uh, Lizzie, I wanna ask you about how technology helps you. And then Joe, if you've also got um, some insights, I would like you to share that as well. Um, but yeah, we know that a few weeks ago, um, OnlyFans had changed their, I guess, their their structure. How does that impact you know, your work and, and how you provide the world with, with pleasure and, and teaching people about pleasure? So the beauty of social media and technology is that you can start or change or disrupt existing policies that are there. And the moment they made that announcement, there was complete uproar on social media. 
it was how dare you countries are taxing these women and men um these creators and they are exploiting them for the work that they're doing but now you want to because it's made only fans popular you want to kind of withdraw that access and you are taking away a lot of autonomy and you know just um being able to make decisions for an empowerment for so many different people and the uproar made them recline like they have now said that they will not be changing their policies um they have found sponsors and different um private organizations that are willing to fund them still continuing as we have been um but prior to that um prior to them saying that they um take they take it back um i thought okay how now do i use this platform still to my advantage but with um within the confines of the new rules and i kind of think it was um it kind of made me a little bit happy because like i said social media is so powerful that it can really change your psyche it can really um impact your mental well-being if you don't necessarily have the strength to ignore the naysayers um and i feel like for a very long time i felt kind of under pressure to do things that like i said wouldn't necessarily have been on my initial list of things that i do um because i was like well people are bored they were calling me vanilla there were people who even did like reviews and they were like oh lindy's so boring if you want like content just go to her instagram because it's basically the same thing and i was like i am expressing myself and being vulnerable and putting myself out there and other people are coming back and telling me it's boring but then i had to quickly switch my mind up to be like i'm not doing it for them yes there's a market but i'm doing it for myself and i feel good in the moment so i had to you know kind of coach myself into being okay with whatever people say but based on the the access and um how dangerous it can be i think social media and technology yes it makes access more available but it also makes the information around it more available and that's why i try and always give very insightful informative content around experiences so that people aren't blindsided when they eventually do um join whatever they want to do or what or engage in whatever they want to engage um because i think that unfortunately like i said we're not being taught how to correctly have sex in school we're not being taught how to correctly love ourselves um and me being able to be the resource that is positive still within the confines of what you want to do and expressing yourself um makes me feel good about myself so i'm glad that technology has also given me the ability to have such a far reach um of my 24000 subscribers on uh youtube the my first um audience is um in the states but what i really find interesting is that my second biggest audience is from india and i'm like mm. how many people in india actually have access to the internet to be constantly on my channel trying to get information but it just goes to show that there's such a lack that they will go absolutely anywhere there's people who i even know who were in the township in alex in south africa who would stand by the the community library to go and get the data so that they can watch my channel and i'm oh, just like that is amazing because you know you're hungry for that information so i have a responsibility to ensure that i'm giving you correct information that not only serves you but also informs and educates you so i am all for social media and technology because it's helped me 
um, reach a broader audience, um, but it also has helped me try and understand and navigate the dangers around it so that I can also give that um, and disseminate that information according to the research that I do with obviously the help of health practitioners and you know lawyers or doctors, whatever the case may be. So I'm all for it. Amazing. And then um, Lizzie, you know, same same question. And then I also I really want you to answer within the context of, you know, um, young women and girls who are coming with an added level of, I guess, vulnerability, um, being differently abled. In what ways has technology aided your your mission in in introducing and educating them around pleasure? Right. So it's important to realize that the disability community um, globally has been advocating for the use of technology because of the accessibility it provides the you know the disabled community. But for a long time, it was not a priority um, until the pandemic happened, and everybody was using technology, and suddenly you know um, it was acceptable to incorporate the advocacy that had happened over you know, a number of years um, from the disability community. Um, young women with disabilities, uh, particularly the ones that we work with, and, and really their experience is, is not unique to them. This is a global experience. Access to opportunities are few and far between um, as a result of stigma, discrimination, inaccessible systems, you know, bureaucracy, a lack of uh, financial resources. So for us, because part of our mandate has always been to build skills among the uh, communities of women with disabilities. In 2018, we listened to uh, young women with disabilities who told us they would like to increase um, their skills around digital, uh, um, digital, their digital skills. They wanted um, us to focus on that. And we did not have, again, <laughs> We did not have any funding and um, we got creative and 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 had a face-to-face -face workshop where we got volunteer trainers to come and um, introduce the concept of how to build a website how to be on social media how to be successful on social media how to build an audience and things like that um pandemic happened and suddenly um we got you know investments um that helped us you know focus on building an e-learning platform now building the e-learning platform was not enough because we wanted to reach um, our communities and the reality is internet is not accessible internet is not um, affordable most of the women we work with are in rural areas you know um, reliable internet is not the norm um, smartphones and computers um, this is not you know, these are not, um, these are luxuries um, for majority of the women that we work with. So we had to go back to the funder and say, you know, we, as much as we've built this thing, it doesn't make sense for us um, without ensuring that we provide additional um, support. And that means on a weekly basis, we send uh, data. That means we buy tablets. Um, and because it was a pilot, we were able to work with about 20 women and we were able to provide each one of them with, with tablets and kind of, not kind of, actually handhold um, for them to um, actively participate on this online platform, have alternative WhatsApp 
and telephone, you know, measures where we are keeping track. Um, but the, the interesting thing or, well, it is interesting, but our work with technology impacts also how we um, build skills and increase um, advocacy for women with disabilities, even when it comes to um, sexuality and conversations around pleasure. Even the, our, our work around um, the, the photography work that we do, where we we are, you know, expressing ourselves and 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 things like that. Everything, you know, builds on on the other, and you cannot take away one component of of an activity and say, you know, you focus on just sexuality and not focus on on empowerment. People need to, you know generate income so that they're able to feel good about themselves so that they're able to express themselves um, and have control over their bodies and and are able to demand better services when it comes to healthcare and and reproductive health so for us we have we have seen that it is building blocks and everything is connected and we cannot you know um we cannot prioritize one over the other it's the woman that we work with and if we're looking to um, ensure this woman is able to take up space and is confident and rebuild her self-esteem and she's able to participate fully in the society, then we need to look at our work from a holistic standpoint. And, and that's how generally we have approached, you know, the work around technology and how it feeds onto, you know, the other areas of our work. Great. Thank you so much. Joe, would you share your, uh, your views on, on tech and pleasure? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, I, I agree that online space brings so many opportunities and um, uh, especially for learning, if that's the attention that people come to the online space with, that they want to learn and engage. But I also feel that it's another space for um, controlling our bodies and depending on who you are, where you're posting content from, um, it's very much related to your safety and security and how we are online in a responsible way, because in the past couple of years, even with, with pole dancing and how it expanded and with the on, only fans, how it actually affected people who, this is their only livelihood. So that a lot of people can join online without that responsibility and the accountability to the folks that they are sharing information with um, and how then it, it's, it's in a context that we don't have much space to, um, explain or engage deeper and uh, for me I feel those are the things that are important to, to note. I have to say when the pandemic started I was part of an online Yoni workshop with all of this um, people who experience pleasure through vagina from all around the world and we were online and we were having you know collective orgasm and it was amazing for me that 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 one session was really great it was in an anonymous way and really you know people who were facilitating that uh, really um, intentional and aware of security risks and all of that and how to welcome people in the space so i see people online doing that and i'm i'm learning so much but at the same time i feel so much pressure to be online that does my work really doesn't need to be there and uh, the way trust is built through the work that i do it's sadly it's in person, but also in very intimate spaces. It could be online, but in a really different way that people will trust me in that process. Um, and um, especially in my context, that access is huge. Um, 
huge thing, you know, even the language and um, uh, the time that people can dedicate for, for, for this. So um, I think that there's, you know, for me, um, I still prefer to do, to be like a low key um, um, practitioner of, of this work and connect with, with, with people in different ways while I still get to learn online and, you know, appreciate a lot of um, the people that are influencers online and how they're vulnerable and how they express themselves uh, as uh, both Lindy and Lizzie were, were saying, because there's opportunity for, for that. Um, it doesn't leave much room for mistake and that's, you know, something um, difficult online, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would still, yeah, I, I appreciate it. When you said you had a collective orgasm, I had a vision in my head of a global groan. And I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up the pandemic um, because you know that'll bring me to my final question um, for, for everyone here. And Joe, I wanna start with you since you know you, you transitioned us into this area. Um, how did the, the pandemic you know, affect your, your views around pleasure, how you access pleasure? Did it make you more adventurous? Did it, you know, did it pull you in? You know, how did the pandemic affect within your context, you know, your your pursuit and and attainment of pleasure? Mm. I think the I think it's really important what what has happened in past um, two years and um, that we see a lot of pleasure activists online now speaking about this, but at the same time, so many things are being more and more commodified. And uh, I think that's the first part of the, how we experience pandemic in the, in the Balkans where I'm from, it's it's really similar to our context in general. So it was not really different because we've been in war for so many years and in conflict. And when you're in that space, they shrink your desires to be so small so that you haven't had this you haven't had access to water, to 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 housing, to uh, your friends, your family, to all those things. So your desires need, need need to be the things that you can buy now, the things that are you know within that realm of what um, that society is gonna Im impose on you. So what happened in the pandemic that I see in my context was again uh, the things that we were missing, and then again starting to appreciate the nature, the birds, the really small accessible pleasures that in the next year just went back to what can I afford and buy and give to myself that I couldn't last year during the pandemic. So I think there was a trick around that, um, how capitalism manages to commodify everything, um, even our, our desire in so many ways. So I'm I'm really appreciative that we we have this space to 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 talk about it and to go back to the things that are, you know, um, come from us and like how we reclaim our bodies, how we reclaim uh, our desire and um, that it's not related to only our context. How can we imagine things beyond this? And uh, a pleasure that it's long-term, that it's not immediate, instant, and um, just because there was a pandemic and how we were in the sphere of scarcity, um, how we move now to needing to have overindulgence. So. I that was great. <laughs> Lizzie, would you care to share quickly? Um, I think for the longest time I had been engrossed in work. And so I, I used to love to read. And I think the pandemic reminded me of that fact and, you know, try to immerse myself in, in books. And I don't have a green thumb, but I like to have green things around me. 
Um, so I try to do that. But also something Lindy had said earlier, I started taking nudes on myself. <laughs> Just for myself. I don't know. And um, I have a collection now. <laughs> and my husband was telling me the other day, oh, um, you, you know, you should transfer these pictures to a safer location, you know, because if you lose your phone and they're leaked. And I'm like, I'm proud of these pictures. I couldn't care if they're leaked. Like, they're my pictures, you know. Um, anyway, so I'm thinking of painting, starting to paint again. I used to paint many years ago. And I'm thinking of um, painting my nudes. And, and maybe I'll have an exhibition one day. So. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. That's, I love it. I would come. <laughs> come? Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> C-O-M-E, not the other one. <laughs> and Lindy. <laughs> I love that. That's so exciting. I would definitely be there too. Like, let us know when it is and I'll be there. But um, what I really love about this is the fact that this is called Pleasure Beyond Borders, because I never really conceptualized the, the way in which capitalism commercializes everything um you know when you're kind of just immersed in it you just are going with the flow you're waking up every day you must make money you must follow the rules and laws and all of that and you just go with it um but i really also realized that the more people that came to me to try and understand themselves from a pleasure point of view made me want to understand myself more so i never used to masturbate i um I understand the, the the value and the importance and, you know, just how healthy it can be for others. I've even done a whole episode on it, but it was never a pleasurable thing for me. It was always like the moment I started watching porn or whatever, I would be very intricate in terms of analyzing. I'm like, why is she doing that? And then I want to go and research. And my mind was more just focused on trying to understand as opposed to letting myself go and enjoy. Um, but I learned so much about myself during the pandemic because I was by myself. Um, I was alone. I had no choice but to try and understand myself from not only a sexual point of view, but just like how my mind works. Um, and I realized that I was not able to kind of let go, even in the context of engaging with someone else. And I also realized as much as I had had an orgasm before, I realized I could actually get myself to orgasm more. And did I like it? Was I okay with relinquishing that kind of power, giving it to someone else? Um, how do I orgasm as quickly as I would like to? Um, I kind of manage it more. And there was just so much I learned about myself through other people wanting to know about themselves and coming to me for the answers. And I obviously had to do the research, not only theoretical, but like physical too. So I have since had great orgasms as a result it's also made me realize that i have um i have the power when it comes to my sex life when it comes to how much i enjoy the person who's with me how i communicate the things i want and don't want and also not kind of just going according to or meandering according to wherever i'm directed kind of just you know what is it that i want in the moment do i like that is that me saying i like it or is it because someone else has coerced me into liking it? So I'm, I've become a lot more headstrong um, through the pandemic. Um, and I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily been a bad thing. I think it's been such a growth point for me. Um, and had it not been there, I would probably still be like, I don't want to orgasm. No, I don't want to give you that power. <laughs> you know? So it's been really, really interesting, so empowering. Um, and I'm loving the growth. It's a continuous journey. I think now that I've opened the door, I'm just continuing to walk through. So, yeah. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Lindy, Lizzie, Joe, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being our guides through Pleasure Beyond Borders. Um, so anybody watching, everybody watching, the Q&A is now open. Our panelists will be there to answer your questions. I know you've got a lot of questions because I still do. And I just want to thank everybody for participating in this panel today. I've had a great time and I hope you have too. Thank you ladies so much. Thanks for having us. Awit Audio. Avid Audio. Sout Awit. L'audio de Awit. Awit Audio. Thank you.